Welcome to Alphabet Soup, a podcast where we're going to work our way through a wide variety of biblical topics using the alphabet. Our goal, of course, is to understand the Bible better, but we also want to find ways in which Scripture applies to our daily lives. So with that intro, let's get to it. Welcome to part two of Why is for Jerusalem. And if you didn't listen to part one, you missed the explanation of why Y is for Jerusalem. I want you to continue to look at that topographical map of the old city, of East Jerusalem, of the walled city, because there are some important features to note. We just talked about how important hills are and that uh, there are two hills in the old city. Um, on the map that I've got, Mount Zion in the lower left-hand corner, and then Mount Moriah, it's called. That's, uh, that's unusual that they named it that on this map, but there it is, and, and I didn't want to mess with it to fix it. We're going to call it a Temple Mount because that's where Solomon's temple was, and that's what it's typically called today on the news. If you're watching the news and they'll talk about it, they'll often call it Temple Mount. Um, and again, now what we've got is a, is a micro example. The city of Jerusalem, the entire city, is higher than all of the surrounding area, so it is more defensible, and it makes pragmatic sense, as we said. Um, however, the highest spots within the city are also significant. Uh, the poor people are going to live out towards the edge, and they're going to live in the lower areas. The important areas are the high areas. That is especially true for any point of worship. And that was the case for all the nations that lived in the land of Canaan before Israel took over. Because the high is always the valuable, huh? It's always the, the place of honor is up high. It's the most defensible place. It, it's the most valuable. And so all the nations put their temples to their gods on the high spot. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but that's why it's called Temple Mount or Mount Moriah. Again, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Because in the city of Jerusalem, there are two hills, and the highest of those is Temple Mount, here on our map, called Mount Moriah. And then Mount Zion, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but deal with it. Mount Zion is where Solomon built his palace. It's long gone, and, and so is the temple, but but that's those two spots, and you can see that on this topogra topographical map. I'm assuming you know how to read one. The closer together the lines are, the steeper the terrain. Outside the eastern edge of the city, and this is true whether we're talking the eastern edge of the old city or the eastern edge of modern Jerusalem, is the Kidron Valley. And you can see how steep it is as you descend down the walls to the bottom of the valley and then up the other side. That's incredibly steep. There is a road there that goes from the wall down to the bottom and up the other side, and it is full of switchbacks. Uh, we rode a tour bus, and you, you go like 100 yards and then a switchback because that is so steep. The Kidron Valley is, is very steep. Um, to, the, to the south and to the west, you can see on the map, is the Valley of Hinnom. Now here they've got labeled the Hinnom Valley. It's no, more normally called the Valley of Hinnom, and I don't know why, but, but that's the name it's given. And you can see that it runs sort of along the west side of the old city and then uh, curves around the south side and meets up with 
the Kidron Valley. So those two valleys are the most prominent feature outside the walls with the city on the hill surrounded by those two valleys. And then Temple Mount, Mount Moriah here, and Mount Zion as the two high spots within the city. The, uh, you see the Tyropian Valley in between. That's there, except over the centuries, that's been filled up. You wouldn't know it's there now. It, it's on, it shows on this map because it's an Old Testament map. But if you were to go to Jerusalem now, you wouldn't notice any depression there, any lower there at all, because as the city has been destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed and rebuilt, the Tyro, uh, Tyropian Valley has been filled up. Okay, there's, there's the uh, topography of the land and the topography of the city itself. Now, let's talk a little bit about the history of the city and what went on here. When, and you go back to the first map, when Israel entered the land under the leadership of Joshua, they entered from the eastern side of the Jordan River, way out there, okay? They crossed the Jordan River, entered the land, first took Jericho, and then conquered under, under Joshua's direction, conquered the major cities to the south and the major Canaanite cities to the north. Canaanites, it is the land of Canaan. There are a variety of Canaanite nations, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Gigashites, whatever. All of these nations spread throughout the land, and Joshua and the people of Israel were told by God, I want you to wipe them out. I want you to wipe out the Canaanites. Um, you understand why? It sounds terrible, but if you knew anything about Canaanite cultures, you would understand they were a parallel to what existed in the days of Noah. It's just horrible stuff going on among the Canaanite cultures. What was true of everybody during the days of Noah. So God tells Israel, you're to wipe them out. And he lists them as examples. You're to wipe out the Hittites. You're to wipe out the Girgashites. You're to wipe out the Edomites because they're so bad. And listed among those nations to be wiped out are the Jebusites, okay? Hang on to that. The Jebusites. The Jebusites are mentioned 30 times in the Old Testament. And in almost all of those, they're among the list of the nations that Israel is to wipe out as they enter the land. But what we know from the book of Joshua, um, first two, three chapters, is that Israel didn't do that. They started out, they whooped on them, and, and brought them into subjection. But then, per God's directions, they divided up the land among the tribes. And each tribe was supposed to finish the mop-up operations of all of these Canaanite nations. The major cities of the Hittites, for example, of the Philistines, were destroyed. The individual And, and that took the entire nation's army to do that. Because, hey, these are major cities. Now we divide it up the land among the tribes, and the tribes and their individual armies can finish the mop-up operation and take care of the rest of it, except they didn't. And that became a problem, and God told them it'll be a problem because what happens then is the Hittites got some good-looking men and the Jews got some good-looking women, or vice versa, and they intermarry, and it brings in idolatry into the land, and, and that leads them into all kinds of trouble. The Jebusites, then, were among the nations that did not get wiped out. And the Jebusites had their, 
their capital, they weren't one of the bigger ones, they were one of the smaller ones, and their capital was the city of Jebus, G, I'm sorry, J-E-B-U-S. Their capital city was Jebus, and they were the Jebusites. Okay, so here's Israel, and they're going along, and they're making a mess of things, and eventually they say, God, we want a king. And Samuel the prophet says, you don't really want a king. He's going to make a mess of things. He's going to take your money and taxes. He's going to take your men to be in his army. You don't want to do that. And they say, no, we want to do that. We want to be like all the nations. Everybody's got a king. We want a king too. God says, you want a king? I'll give you a king. But it's not. you're not going to like it. And Saul was chosen as Israel's, chosen by God, as Israel's first king. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, I've got to stop and apologize here. You can hear the chainsaws in the background. I checked. They're audible. Here's the deal. There are landscape crews here. It's it's Phoenix. It's a southwest desert. And there's palm trees everywhere. And people plant palm trees. And the fronds dry. And they're clumped. And it looks ugly. And it's sort of dangerous and so forth. And so they hire a landscape crew. There's this guy that climbs up a palm tree. And he may be 40, 50, 60 feet in the air with a chainsaw. And he cut off, cuts off the dead Uh, fronds off the palm tree. And that's the chainsaw that you can hear in the background. I don't know where it is. I can't see out my window. So, so, uh, but it's obviously close and you can hear that. This is the second time I've recorded this apology because the first recording of the apology was also interrupted by an F-35. We're about 10 miles from Luke Air Force Base and the F-35s are uh, stationed there, stationed and we're in their flight path for some of their training exercises. They do touch and goes. Oh, goodness. But I have to be in this room to record. What am I going to do? I'm sorry. You're just going to have to live with the chainsaw in the background. And every once in a while, a very loud F-35 flying over our house. Okay, back to King Saul. He's from the tribe of Benjamin, one of the smallest of the tribes of Israel. And so they get one of the smallest portions of land. And they're down south. And Saul makes a mess of things. He was a good guy. He was as humble as the tribe itself, but he made a mess of things. And God eventually rejected him as king and chose David to take his place. David was from the tribe of Judah, which borders Benjamin to the north, okay? David is king. Now, this is a very dramatic time and potentially traumatic time for the nation of Israel to go from one king to the next, especially because Saul was taken off the throne by God Um, fairly dramatically lost his life. And David, a young guy, an upstart, most people are going to see him, is now the new king. David's got to unify Israel. What is he going to do? And David, in in a stroke of genius that had to have come from God, decides we're going to have a capital city. And he chooses the city that was known as Jebus, and makes that his capital city. It makes a good a choice because it's elevated, right? It's up on a hill. And here's the genius of this. It's within the land of Benjamin. It is at the northern end of Benjamin. He could have picked a city in Judah, but he chose Jebus. He chose Jebus and renamed it Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and it is within the city of Benjamin. And, and therefore, it mollifies, it calms the Benjaminites, or Benjamites, or whatever you call them, Vegemite, it calms them down because because they were feeling pretty important when their guy was king, and now their guy is no longer king, and they're upset. But hey, wait a minute now. David chose our city, one of our cities, to be his capital. 
David makes it, when I say capital, he makes that his home outside his own. He's from the tribe of Judah. Now he's going to live in Benjamin, and he brings the tabernacle to the city of Jerusalem, the new, now newly named city of Jerusalem. It is then both the civil and religious center of the nation. This changes everything. Uh, and, and another reason why it's important that you understand the space, the place of Jerusalem. It is now called the City of David. It, it's Jerusalem, but its nickname is the City of David because that's where he lives. He made it the capital, and he has put the uh, tabernacle there. It is the, then the civil and religious center of Israel. David eventually grows old and dies. And Solomon, his son, takes his place. Solomon builds himself a palace where he builds it on Mount Zion, that second hill in the southwest portion. He builds a glorious palace there. And then, under the direction of God, he builds the tabernacle and he puts that on what we now call Temple Mount. But of course, they didn't call it Temple Mount because... Until, it had, until the temple had been built there, it wasn't Temple Mount. It couldn't be. Oh, hey, I'm going to rock your world right now. I'm going to guess that there may be two people listening to this podcast that know this. I'm going to take you all the way back to Genesis chapter 22. And it is there. We're talking hundreds of years ago, uh, before Solomon. Hundreds of years before Solomon, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham... I want you to sacrifice your only son, whom you love. I want you to sacrifice Isaac on an altar in the place where I will show you. And, and God didn't say, do it anywhere you want. He said, I'm going to show you the specific place where you are going to offer up your son. And it is a place on, on a, uh, called Mount Moriah, M-O-R-I-A-H. Look it up. Uh, do it. Do a concordance search. And Genesis 22, I want you to go to Mount Moriah, and there I want you to build an altar and offer your son as a sacrifice. And he does. And you know the story, at least I hope you do. If you don't, you better go read it, that at the last moment, just before Abraham is going to kill his son, God says, stop, turn around. And there caught in a thicket is a ram, and that ram is to be offered as a substitute Take the ram, take your son off the altar and offer that ram. Now, there's so much in that. Man, we, we got to do that in this podcast. What, th this story is full of details that go right by you just because you don't know them. And it's okay, but I want to I tell you those. Anyhow, that place where Abraham didn't offer up his son whom he loves, but instead offered a ram as a substitute is called Mount Moriah. Okay? Now, remember that it used to be called Jebus, the city of the Jebusites. Huh? Now I want you to back up, throw it in reverse and back up a block. David is still king and he's coming to the end of his life and he does something stupid, just really stupid. He says, I want to find out how big my army is. And a prophet comes to him and says, don't do that. Because it's not the size of your army that's critical. It is the support of the Lord. And, and <clears throat> God is not... Uh, influenced at all or impressed with the size of your army. Don't do that. But David does it anyhow. He counts his army. And God says, 
that that was misbehavior. You were told not to do it. You did it anyhow, and that's pride. I can't have that. And you're all puffed up because you've got this big, powerful army, and so there's going to be punishment. And you can read this story in 2 Samuel 24. It's the last chapter in 2 Samuel, okay? And and I, I don't have time to give you all the detail, but there's a terrible plague going throughout the land because of David's sin. And David says, listen, punish me, but don't punish the nation. That's not fair. It's, it's, my, it's my fault. And God says, no, see, all of this is part of God's plan. And we say, it is unfair. No, 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 God's got a plan, and it may look unfair. Oh, there's a sermon here, and I so want to preach this sermon, and I can't. I'm sorry, people. Um, I'm struggling here because I want to preach this sermon. And God says, here's what you're going to do, David. There is a place. There is a threshing floor. And I want you to go buy this threshing floor. It is now owned by a man named Aruna, the Jebusite. You see, when David took the city of of Jebus and renamed it Jerusalem, he he didn't drive out all the Jebusites. He took it from the Jebusites, but he didn't kill them all. He just took the city. God says, David, I want you to go buy the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And there I want you to build an altar and make sacrifices to me. And if you do that, I will stop this plague. Okay, listen, listen, folks. A threshing floor. First you harvest the grain. Then you bundle the grain. And then you take it to a place where you, where you beat it. You beat it. And you may use a donkey or, or a mule or an ox to drag a large stone around it. But the goal is to separate the grain from the chaff. And by beating it with sticks or dragging a stone over the top of it, the grain is separated from the chaff. It's separated, but now you've got to get rid of the chaff. So what do you do? You take it to a threshing floor. Uh, and that is a high spot because you need the wind, and you're going to have the wind up on, up, up on a high spot. And you take a fork, a winnowing fork, and you throw it in, and you throw this stuff up in the air. And the wind catches the chaff and blows it away, and the heavier grain falls to the ground. And you just keep doing this for hours, for days, until you've gotten rid of all the chaff, all the stock, because it's been broken up, and it's lightweight, and you throw it up, and the wind will catch it and blow it away. And that's why you have to have it on a high spot. And now you've got all the grain and only the grain, and you put that underground for storage, okay? Remember I talked about storage houses? You, you, you sweep it, and so, and oh, I want to take you there, or I want to show you the pictures, and I can't. But there is a spot. There is a spot on Temple Mount that was hundreds and thousands of years ago it was the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And you know what it was called? That threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite? And you can read this in Second Chronicles chapter 3. You can read that this threshing floor was called Mount Moriah. Is that cool? Solomon built the temple on Mount Moriah, the very spot where hundreds of years earlier Abraham offered up his son Isaac, and the lamb was given as a substitute. And now it is where Solomon builds the temple. And now, 3,000 years after that, it is the Dome of the Rock. And, and, if, and, and Google the Dome of the Rock, you'll recognize it. And it is now a Muslim holy site. Ha! Ah, because they believe 
that the prophet Muhammad ascended up to heaven from this spot. And that's why they built the Dome of the Rock, because it is a memorial to the spot where Muhammad ascended to heaven. And not today. Don't go there today. You'll probably get killed. But today, if you take off your shoes, it is a tourist site, and you can go in there, and you will see this tourist site. Google it. Go look at the pictures, and you will see that there is a rock inside, and it is from this rock, they believe, that uh, Muhammad ascended. And in the rock is a hole in the center of this of this big rock. I mean, it's big. It's the size of a house, okay? And there's a hole. And down inside that hole is a storage cave. And this cave is not accessed from the side. It's accessed from the top. And so they would thresh the grain, and then they would take brooms and sweep it into this hole in the rock, and it would go down inside the cave, and that's where it would be stored. Abraham offered up Isaac on Mount Moriah, and Solomon built the temple on Mount Moriah, and it is now called Temple Mount. And when you stand there, you are standing on the spot where Abraham offered up Isaac, and you are standing on the spot where uh, Solomon built the temple, and you are standing on the spot that in the temple was the Holy of Holies. Oh, goodness, that is cool. At least I think it is. Okay, now, Let's back way out. And when I say let's, do you, you zoom in, you pan out. That's what it is. Let's pan all the way out. And I don't mean this in terms of space. I mean this in terms of time, okay? In 1000 BC, David became king. And he, and he occupied the city of Jebus. And it was renamed Jerusalem. Um, which, uh, hey, I should have said this way back at the beginning, which means the city of peace. And it has a plural ending because of the two hills. But shalom, Yerus shalom, Jerusalem, okay? It is the city of peace, and it has been anything but, okay? In 1000 BC, David took this and made it the capital. Forty years later, Solomon became king, and he built his palace on Mount Zion, which has become sort of a name for the city. It's another name. We call it the city of David. We call it the city of Zion. That's the second smaller hill. And then he built the temple on Mount Moriah, on Temple Mount. Um, and, 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 and Jerusalem became, in many ways, the center of the world. But things go downhill from there. And I've got a problem. Because I've used up my time in part two. I'm sorry, I had no idea this was going to happen, but here we are on a Friday morning, and I've got to do a part three. It'll be a short part three, I promise, but we've got to wrap up the city of Jerusalem, and we've got to get from Solomon all the way to yesterday. So, oh, please, 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 please come join me in part three.